It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. A good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane with Austin Price, Grant Ramey, and Brent Hubbs, and it's presented every single week by Exterior Home Solutions. Give them a call today for a free estimate, 865-524-5888. Weather's a little crazy right now. Anytime you need to enhance your home, give Exterior Home Solutions a call for a free estimate, 865-524-5888. A lot going on here on this week uh, over on Tennessee's campus. Spring football practice wrapping up. Orange and white game coming up uh, this weekend. We'll have complete coverage of that. Transfer portal season for Tennessee basketball. Tennessee baseball heads to Fayetteville, Arkansas for a big-time series. So we got a lot of questions in the mailbag this week, and we'll start with Sam Smith. Grant, we'll start with you. Does the basketball staff need to be more aggressive with NIL going after the top guys in the portal? I think they need to have more portal success. Um, I don't know if that's directly tied to NIL or whatever else. They need to have more portal success. They have to. That's how you change your program. That's how you change your roster. That's how you build your program at this point is is finding big-time contributors out of the portal and executing there and not missing evaluations there. Uh, role players are great, but they're not going to help you win games in March. You have to have big-time guys. So I don't know if it's strictly NIL-related. They've played the NIL game before. Julian Phillips is the Tennessee because of NIL. Um, but they need to execute better in the portal one way or the other. Grant, let me ask you this as a follow-up to that. Sorry, Eric, I didn't mean to jump in here and take over, but I, I am curious as a follow-up here. How challenging is the portal life from a timing standpoint if you're a program that's waiting on multiple guys to make decisions, like if, if Josiah is going to go through the process and not hire an agent, how do you know what to do with that body with the portal? It seems like the windows don't match up, not just for Tennessee, but, but around the country. How do you, how do you roster manage that way is, is my question. No, it, the calendar doesn't make sense from the start because you're almost – punished a little bit by being in this NCAA tournament and it feels like you're a couple weeks behind if you if you advance in NCAA tournament. Now it's going to be easier obviously to get recruits to a more relevant program that's advancing in March versus programs that do not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, but yeah, something you know something doesn't add up here. The, the calendar just doesn't fit where you don't want to wait around on these guys, but you also don't want to say you're not welcome here if we don't know a decision by this date. Um, you got to figure out something timing-wise, that, that gets this more lined up where, you know, you're, you're in roster construction mode as soon as the season ends, and you need an answer from these guys as soon as you can get one. We've been waiting on Santiago Vescovic for what feels like two weeks now where they've, they've needed an answer the day before whatever day you're talking about it, and they just don't have it. And, and they're going to have to fix it at some point or address it somewhere or the other where these teams aren't getting punished by waiting around on these roster spots where it's obviously very valuable timing-wise, to try to build your roster through the portal, but you don't know how many roster spots you have available, uh, how many guys you should be going after who you're going to have to expect back. So they're going to have to fix it one way or the other. 
But they're going to wait on him, right, Grant? I mean, they, they will wait on on Santi. No, for sure. Santi, they should know. I mean, I don't know. We keep saying this. They should know something on Santi soon, and, and nothing changes. But, honestly, the longer it goes, to me, it feels like the more realistic possibility that he comes back. I think, to me, in my opinion, he's the only legitimate candidate I see coming back or a, as a realistic possibility to come back. I don't think Josiah's back. I think it'd be surprising to me to see him back. Rurosh is gone. Uh, Olivier's obviously gone. Uh, so I think Santi, and the longer it feels like it drags out, the feel, more it feels like he could legitimately be back here next year. You know, you know what I think they need to do? Like, to go, to go in the portal, you've got to get a berry, an owl's beak, four tail feathers from a chicken hawk, <laughs> a piece no, of meat, I, and a broken coat. You're reading it. You can't read it. you got to I, I, I could remember the owl's beak stuff, but I couldn't remember the four – I couldn't remember chicken hog and all that stuff. When do, when do you ride the white horse east to west in a black suit? Yeah. And he's just going up and down. <laughs> this, is evolved into, this has gone off the rails to Andy Griffith references in record time. I'm just here being oblivious like always. All right, we got a couple more from Eric, Sam Smith. Who Doug Dickey is. <laughs> I know who Doug Dickey is. God. You you think uh, you think Puckett was bad on the general quarters? My God, I didn't know who Doug Dickey was. Woo! <clears throat> Excuse me. A uh, couple of baseball ones here from Sam Smith. Going to Fayetteville. What does your starting outfield look like this weekend? Um, I would go Hunter Ensley's a starter. Um, Kavar's tears and probably C Scott, but they'll 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 mix and match. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Booker will get an opportunity. I'm sure that. You know, if they if they have uh, Cal Stark behind the plate or Chuck Taylor, then of course you're going to have Jared Dickey out in the outfield. Uh, Griffin Merritt could potentially get us get a start at one of the corner spots if he's not DHing. He's hitting well, so you have some options. But Hunter Ensley will be out in the outfield for sure. I would imagine C. Scott and uh, with Kavar's tears back into the fold, try to get him going again. Um, and do you worry about this team keeping their composure and not getting too high or too low this weekend? We asked Tony that after uh, Tuesday's game earlier this week, and. He just kind of said, hey, you got to play within yourself, and that's up to the team leaders to kind of set that tone and to not make something more than it is. Um, you know, just try to play your game and all that type of stuff. But he acknowledged that, you know, you're, you're going and uh, you're playing against a coaching legend, going and playing against a, a great uh, fan base in front of a great fan base, and having already played at Grand Canyon and at LSU, this really – and everything's different, but it helps you prepare for situations like this. So we'll see what I Tennessee think- looks like at Arkansas. I think the challenge is as much on Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson not to get too high and not to get too low. Because, I mean, the issues with, with Arkansas has been more about skipper to skipper than it has yeah. been kind of the players jawing at each other or, or anything with the fan bases really going at each other that way. So, uh, I mean, the LSU thing was different because the Tennessee fan base was so hard on the LSU team mm-hmm. when they were here. Uh, with the Super Regional and everything else, that their fan base was a little more interested in Tennessee. I think the Arkansas fan base is a lot more interested in Tony Vitello than they are anything with Tennessee right now. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And, uh, you know, I'd be remorse if I didn't mention here, Logan Chambers went yard on Tuesday and that spot starts. So uh, he's gearing up for for the Hawks for sure. Uh, My favorite question, Brent's favorite question of the mailbag today, this is from DMV Vol 1985. We're going to be quick here. Um, but Austin, give me uh, give me each of these recruits. Tennessee is pursuing a current standing category. The options are clear leader, in leading group, or trailing. There are about twenty names here. Are you ready? Yep. Boo Carter, clear leader. Jaden Riddell, in leading group. Max LeBlanc, in leading group. Daniel Calhoun, behind. 
Edwin Smolman. Uh, I, I still think clear leader. Uh, Mike Matthews. In leading group. Ryan Wingo. In leading group. The number one defensive lineman in the nation. Williams and Laurent. I don't even know. Uh, in leading group. <laughs> Jordan Ross. Uh, in leading group. Cameron Franklin. Uh, I'm in leading group leaning to the leader spot. Sammy Brown. Uh, I think they're behind there. That's just my gut. Amari Jefferson. Uh, in leading group. Ify. In leading group. I think it's Tennessee and Oregon. Marquez Easley. Uh, in leading group. Ethan Callaway. That one I feel like they're behind on. But it's just I, he's got to get back up here. Brandon Baker? Um, I would have said they're behind. I wouldn't call them in leading group. I, I don't know if they're really behind. I think he's a long way from doing anything. So I, I, that one, I, it's a little less defined in my mind. But I, I do think there's a real shot they get him back here for an official. And if that happens, then I think Tennessee's right there. Daniel Hill. Until he visits, he's this year's Noah Rogers. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, I mean, like, Tennessee can continue to talk about Daniel Hill internally all they want until he visits. He's Noah Rogers to me. Two more Peyton Lewis. Uh, in leading group. And then Braylon Russell. In leading group. I think that's Tennessee and Arkansas. Well done, Austin. Austin, you had such an opportunity to do that like Barney did the preamble uh, with Andy, and you just told him <laughs> that opportunity. You don't have enough hair to really mess that deal up as you go <laughs> as you go along the way. But You're right, I don't... well done, my friend. Aaron, go back to the top of the list and let's do uh, exact percentages on the way down. To the third decimal point. You want right. to do it for real? No, let's do it. No. All right, all right. Boot yeah, Carter. We, we have oh. fun. Uh, oh. 90%. Jane Riddell. Oh, my gosh. Um, 55%. This Good is job. what they always want. All right, Max LeBlanc. Uh, I would go 45%, but still in the leading group. Daniel Cahoon. Uh, I would go 25%. Evan Spillman. Um, 85%. Mike Matthews. Um, 47.3%. Ryan Wingo. <laughs> um, 51.2%. Waiting for the 69%. Jordan Ross. Um, I'm going to go less than 50% here. I'll go like 40. Williams, that guy. Um, 45. Cameron Franklin. Uh, like 65 to 70%. That was the opportunity there. Uh, Sammy Brown. Uh, 25%. Amari Jefferson. 50%. Ify. 49.8%. Marquez Easley. Um, 41.6%. Ethan Calloway. Um, 38.6%. Brandon Baker. 35%. Daniel Hill. Uh, one percent. <laughs> I can tell he visits here, man. It's just hard to get hard for me to wrap my mind around it. Peyton Lewis. That changes. Peyton Lewis. Um, fifty-seven percent. And then Braylon Russell. Uh, fifty percent. All right, all you guys want percentages in the Monday night chat? There you go. That was twenty. The amount of scrubbing of, of passing through that portion of the podcast is going to be fascinating to look at in the analytics. I feel like we need a uh, we need a, a ring bell like the end of a round. AP comes to the corner, we start ringing. Uh, 
you know, like water over his water face. My mouth. I'm spitting out blood. <laughs> oh, Man, all right. <laughs> this is a Brent Hubs question. Let's go to Uberval. You all frequently talk about the importance of university being in alignment about all sports, especially football. Can you go into more detail about the specifics on what alignment really means and how it relates to wins and losses? Well, I think alignment means, um, you, you know, from an admission standpoint, academic support standpoint, um, that the university side viewing athletics as the front porch. Um, there's a balance to strike uh, w- with a land-grant institution on who gets into school and how elite you want to com- you want to become. There's been chancellors in the past that wanted to reduce the size of, of the University of Tennessee, um, make it a smaller school, um, wanted other schools in the state to be bigger than, than the land-grant institution. So they limited admissions and they made admissions harder and they made it more challenging that way. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, and, and this is where I think Dondi Plowman has done a good job as the chancellor, is she recognizes the significance of athletic success. Now, are they compromising an education or the value of an education for athletics? No, I don't, I don't believe so. But she also knows the more athletics wins and the more successful athletics is, then the more people that want to come to school at your campus and the more it helps the campus grow from a donor standpoint and resources and finances standpoint and all of those things. So I think it's alignment means more recognition of the value of athletics from the university side. And I think there have been stretches from the president and chancellor side of things over the last 20 years where there wasn't much of a value placed on athletics. Obviously, when Joe Johnson was here and Chancellor Snyder working with Doug Dickey, there was a great value in athletics. They viewed it that way. I think Tennessee with Randy Boyd uh, and with Don D. Plowman views the significance of athletics impact on the growth um, and the enhancement of the University of Tennessee. That's where that alignment comes from. It's much more that than it is anything directly you know are they winning more because you know they believe in athletics no i mean it comes down to coaches doing that but you want to give them all the resources they can to be successful and i think this leadership group recognizes the significance of successful athletics on the university as a whole yeah the resources hubs is exactly right i mean it's about not uh, having to beat your head against the wall to get something simple done you know, there have been coaches in the past that, you know, couldn't find a player, needed to go to the dorm to check on a player, and and, and the coach couldn't get up to the dorm because, you know, the person in the dorm didn't know who they were, you know, the head coach. Um, you know, there have been times where, you know, you know, there's just been obstacles in the way um, because not everybody is simpatico. And, you know, it's it, – when, it, when, when everybody's kind of rolling in the same direction, it makes it easier, again, for the logistics – um, to, to come up with those resources to help everybody. Yeah, and remember this too. The chancellor signs every contract for every coach. Okay, the university has to sign off on those contracts as well. So if you're going to do the, if you're going to up your financial resources and remain competitive from a salary standpoint across the board, you have to have the university's endorsement in that with, with the chancellor endorsing that. And so all of those things factor in. I mean, Austin's right. It's just working together and not having this great barrier between the two. And there's been too many years where there's been a great barrier between athletics and the university side. And right now there's not that barrier. 
is that the reason football is winning? I, I'm not going to say that, but it doesn't hurt either side to work together the way they're working right now. Let's go to wrong handed. Grant, this is for you. Why do y'all think Coach Barnes has only had one team with an offense better than 35th and Ken Palm while at Tennessee? What do y'all think needs to happen to change and improve that side of the court for next year? They need better personnel uh, on the offensive end of the floor. They need better pieces. I mean, when you look back at 1819, when you had Grant Williams, an All-American first team, all consensus All-American SEC player of the year in the post, who you could throw it to and get you a bucket. Uh, you had Kyle, uh, Kyle Alexander, a pretty good center, not great, but serviceable, pretty good. You had Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner, they could shoot it on the wing. You had a uh, Jordan Bone, a point guard who could run the floor, who could score in transition, who could push the pace for this team. And he was a good shooter as well, a good facilitator, good mid-range. So now they don't make it past the Sweet 16 again. Yeah. Well, Carson Edwards in the corner, man. Uh, Lamonte Turner, sensitive subject still to this day. You had, but my point is, when they had all those pieces, they were number three in adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm, and it was still Rick Barnes' coach and Rick Barnes' offense and all the stuff that that everybody seems to hate. Like if you have the pieces, it seems like they could put it together and and, and create pretty consistent, pretty good offense. But they haven't had the pieces since, and they haven't had good enough big men. They haven't had good enough shooters. They haven't had consistent enough guys that could, you know. Southie's made a lot of threes, but, you know, he needs more help. I mean, you need point guards that they say they want to play fast, but they don't play fast. Uh, the coaching staff says that, and it doesn't happen. So I think it's a personnel issue where if you want better offense, you need better offensive personnel. Let's get one more here from Wrong Handed. Um, reports on Bryson Eason. He's such an intriguing athlete. Just feel like he's going to pop at some point, AP. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, Rodney Garner is as high on him as he is about anybody in that room as far as just pure talent. And, you know, it's about, you know, kind of becoming more consistent, realizing that talent. Um, and, again, you know, can Rodney pull it out of him? There, he shows flashes, and that's why, you know, he, he got better and better over the course of last season. But I think there's still a long way to go. AP, let's stay with you. Nico Suave says over under 12 and a half top 300 signees in this class. Oh, God. It was easier to do the other one. <laughs> um, I think we already know the answer to this right now who's in the class because it's a recent one and you kind of spoke on this. But who currently on the commit list do you think will have a big boost by the end of the cycle? I think Gage Genther will. Yeah. I think Gage Genther will. Um you know, I, I think Bodie Cahoon is someone who, if he ends up at Tennessee and he's not going to do anything until June or July, and again, I don't think Tennessee is going to do anything with a linebacker till then. Um, you know, I think he's got the potential to be someone who goes from a three to a four star. Um, you know, there, there's a few. There's definitely a few. All right, we'll go to Rotley for Life. Got a couple here. What is the celebration that the baseball team does after – they have hits where they cuff their face and they kneel down. I'm old and don't know if it comes from something or whether it's something they made up last year. Um, at first, I thought it was what the kids were doing for Fortnite celebrations, but uh, no, nah, this is um, Drew Gilbert made that up last year and the team just kind of started doing it and they, they've been doing it this year. Not true. Brent Hub started that out on the farm when, when, when he would when he would lay the post for the fence, you know, and he would go. Eli would throw up a uh, the sun. Eli would throw up a square bell of hay. It'd be a ter perfect toss, hey. and, and Hubbard would be on top of the pile, and he'd go. Hey, hey, I I drove 26 steel posts last night setting up beans, and my arms were so sore, I'm so out of shape, I couldn't raise them above up here to, to do that gesture. <laughs> what do you do with your hands? Gotta, Thanks, Ricky Bobby. Got to alter the celebration. 
all I know about it is I've got seven five-year-olds playing t-ball, and we're doing that every time we get to second base. Love yeah, it. you are. Every time. Are you the Angels? Yeah, yeah Danny yeah, Glover. Yeah. Are you, Come are you on, the, Danny Glover. My, my team is not the Angels. This is just my hat of choice that I picked in honor of uh, Brent, who's going to wonder every time we turn this on what hat I'm wearing. <laughs> Dave Winfield, that's your it's your favorite angel of all time. My, all my right. favorite angel of all time is a kid that flaps his arm in the stand and says it can happen. <laughs> if I put the over-under of post-spring departures for football at three and a half, are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under right now, AP. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. I, I think two to three. Okay. Let's go to Athron. What underclassmen have expectations blown out of the water because of a good showing on Saturday? So essentially an underclassman that could show well Saturday that could find a role come the fall. You mean you mean from a fan's getting giddy standpoint, like because of what they see, or from the you know, people that cover the program and kind of looking at it from a realistic standpoint? I mean both, either or. Well, I mean, whatever running back does something, fans are going to have anointed as the as the next all-conference Heisman Trophy finalist, you know, first ever Heisman Trophy finalist for running back for Tennessee. Um, so, you know, I don't think that's – I don't know that that's realistic. Um, from from my standpoint, and this is going to disappoint some people, I just don't put a ton of stock in Saturday. Um, it's one It's one deal – I don't think anybody's going to go, oh, there's people in the stands. The coaches and Matt, don't put any stock in Saturday. Do what? The coaches don't put any stock in Saturday either. I just I don't think that you're going to come away with Saturday based on that one performance and somebody's going to say, boy, he's the answer or, or he's, going to, <laughs> he's going to be this huge factor. They have an idea who's going to help them, who's above the line and who's below the line and who's riding that line and needs a great summer to get above it. And, you know, it, it's about how they go from here – to August when they get back to fall camp. Because remember, coaches can work two hours a week with, with each one of them, you know, with guys. So there's more de- summertime development than there was 10 years ago, five years ago, because of the football stuff they can do besides just lifting weights and doing cardiovascular work. I, I don't think that – I mean, he may have a good game Saturday. I don't know. But, like, I don't think that that weighs anything. But I think the guy that's poised to kind of take a step is Chaz Nimrod. Not a lot of receivers playing right now, so it'd be a good opportunity for him. I kind of on that the, note. By the way, I want to see the kickers because I've not seen the kickers do anything. So I'm curious to see what those guys look like on Saturday. What does Jackson Ross look like? What do they look like place kicking the ball? That, that, that'll that be intriguing to me because that's something we haven't seen in 15 practices or 14 or 12 or whatever number we're at. Yeah, and his second point is something you run into any inter-squad scrimmage ever. Like, will it be false hype if either the edge rushers have a good day or if or if the tackles have a good day on Saturday, because if a guy blows past the tackle, that's good, but then that's bad for your tackle or vice versa. Plus, the no one's going to be touching the quarterbacks for sure. It's about just winning those one-on-one matchups. Yeah, I, again, I mean, I don't, I don't think you get too high or too low, Grant, based on what somebody does. I mean, it's probably a bad thing if the Leos have 10 sacks on the day. That's probably a bad thing for your tackles. <laughs> if they don't touch the quarterback at all, that's probably not a great thing for the Leos you hope that it's probably somewhere in the middle and you don't put a ton of stock in it one way or the other and move on. Right. It's a, it's the Larry David gift from curb your enthusiasm where he's got two people on two sides on each side and he's really torn. You can tell he can't go, he can't decide which way he's wanting to go. He's trying to decide. I can't remember which episode that's from, but yeah, if your defensive backs look good, it's because your wide receivers look bad. If your DBs look bad, it's because your wide receivers look good. Uh, self-inflicted harm here. 
let's let's just go back to the Butch Jones era of naming captains at halftime of the spring game and turning it into the, the biggest uh, announcement in the world. If y'all remember that theater was was that was that the year they did the the um, the what do they call that scoring structure AP and golf. Um, Stapleford or Stapleton, whatever that thing's called. Stapleford scoring system. Yeah, whenever Butch Jones decided you got four points for a first down or three <laughs> points for a third down conversion and you lost four points if you punted or whatever that deal was, that nobody could figure out the score at the end that was like 82 to 63. <laughs> Last one, who's going to be held out Saturday? Um, you know, like the, there'll be some guys that might dress but might not get a whole lot of run, like Cooper Mays would be one of those guys. I mean, some other guys who have done spring but have been held out a lot here lately. Jalen Wright, yeah. Romel Keaton, Aaron Beasley, Keenan Peely. um, You know, anybody else that even if they dress will be super, super limited on Saturday. Yeah, I I think Tennessee will play the linebackers uh, Saturday. I think Tennessee will play Romel Keaton Saturday. I don't think you see Jalen Wright. I think Cooper Mays may play, um, you know, a series, um, something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, the ones they'll be cautious with are the ones that, you know, are super important for fall. And Brent, if Ollie Lane is healthy to play, he'll play. They won't hold him out, but if he's healthy enough to play, he'll play cause he's trying to win a spot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, if, if you're Ollie Lane, you if you're cleared to play, you're going to go play because yeah. you need, you want as much tape on yourself as you can get. Cause that competition is only going to get ramped up in the fall. Cause again, as we've talked about, I think Addison Nichols will enter that fold. I think that'll be a four person competition with, Andre Curic, Ali Lane, Jackson Lampley, Addison Nichols at that at that left guard spot is where I think that competition will open when fall camp opens up in August. What's T and Mike? What does the linebacker board look like after Spillman? You've mentioned a couple of names already today, AP, but what's that board look like? Yeah, I mean, they're looking at, you know, Kylan, you know, kid from, or from Louisiana, um, you know, he's – right up there uh, we'll visit officially in the month of june um you know after that you know sammy brown's up there and uh you know i think the biggest thing with tennessee is is like you know bodie cahoon like i would say bodie's probably fourth or fifth you know um but like how do they come off the board where do they go i i think tennessee's just feels like they're in on more quality linebackers you've seen a couple of them come off the board this week and um you know tennessee right now just not you know not willing to to pull the trigger on any linebackers because I think they're waiting on a couple other higher-end guys. AP, what, two or three in this class? Singleton's oh. kids in Louisiana. Uh, it's two. Um, if you got the right the right three, I think it could be three. Okay. And it certainly helps that you had a good haul last year in that class, and, and you feel good about you know the, the class the year before as well. It doesn't mean you can't recruit any, but it feels like you found some guys the last two cycles at linebacker for sure. Yep. Uh, mailbag questions. Got a couple more of those, but each and every Thursday, each and every Tuesday, the VolQuest podcast. It's brought to you by Exterior Home Solutions. Really excited to partner with them. They do fantastic work. Thank you so much to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we'll get back into it. SC Vol 247. What is going on with John Slaughter? Has he regressed? No one's mentioned him, and he was getting some high praise during the Orange Bowl practices. Yeah, I mean, I think he's had a fine spring practice. I just think that ultimately, you know, they're trying to figure some things out. And, you know, he's just one of the one of the bodies that's trying to earn some some rep, whether it be on special teams or in the 2D. Yeah, and remember this. The praise for him in, in the Orange Bowl practice was his athletic ability. He's not regressed in athletic ability. Orange Bowl practice was a very small sample size of, of what you of what you do. And he's learning the defense now. And um, he's going through the freshman growing pains. He, it's There's nothing to regress to. I mean, they practiced four times and then he became a scout team guy working Clemson's defense. So uh, I, I don't think anybody has regressed who was a newcomer for bowl practice to where we are now. I just, I mean, I, they, what I they did was such a play right away. Yeah, it's just such a small sample size of what you do in the bowl practice. I'm not saying he didn't benefit and learn from it, but there's nobody making a declaration that a guy's ready to play or he's this or that. What the declaration was, he moved very well, seemed to have a lot of natural instincts in bowl practice in four days of just doing drill work before becoming a scout team guy. Grant Volstar88 wants to know any truth to Julian Phillips going into the transfer portal. Not to my knowledge, uh, famous last words. I don't know. Whenever I've asked about Julian, the feedback I've gotten is he'll turn pro or he'll, Tennessee will try to get him back and he'll be back in Tennessee for a second year. Never once has the portal been mentioned to me as something that Tennessee coaching staff legitimately thinks or thought he would do. Um, I think he'll train for the pre-draft process. I think he'll go through it, and I think he'll make his decision based on the feedback he gets. There was an ESPN mock draft today that had him 53rd and if you're mocked there um, you're risking entering the draft and not getting picked let alone you know the Kennedy Chandler late first round fall into the second if you're mocked in the the back half of the second round then you're you're it's a pretty big gamble I guess so I, I don't know about the portal everybody's a possibility obviously every offseason say what you want to say but I just have not heard the portal stuff on Julian Phillips at least not from my end could be wrong but not from my end of it uh, let's go to Rocky Top T. How do y'all feel about the new punter? I think we'll be improved in punting. A good punter can change field positions. Thoughts? I know we don't punt a lot as well. Um, Brent, the, the Jackson Ross kid from uh, down under has been a guy they've been excited about for a long time. I think Tennessee's punting is going to be in, in good good shape this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no competition there. It's his job. Yeah. I mean, and so we'll, we'll go out and, and see how he does. I think he's got a big leg. Um you won't know for sure until he catches and kicks the first couple of ones and, um, you know, in front of a big crowd with a game on the line. Spring game's not going to give you that. You know, you're not going to be able to simulate that. We've seen, you know, punters go through struggles under the lights. They'd be great practice punters and, and struggle when it gets into the crowd, and they have to work through that. I don't think that will necessarily be the case for him, but you, you got to go out and see it. From a leg standpoint, there's not going to be a drop-off, I don't think, from his natural kicking ability – um, compared to what they had with Paxton Brooks. It's just a matter of going out and doing that 
um, in a game. Protection's got to be better, and you hope that he gets the ball off faster than Paxton Brooks did at times in his career, particularly last year. And I still think Tennessee's going to have three different people, and this will, you know, we'll see this in the fall for sure, and, and kind of how it plays out. But I think Tennessee still wants, you know, a, a punt. In an ideal world, they want a punter, a kicker, and a kickoff man. So we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out as well. I know in the past, Tennessee hadn't been able to do that at times, but uh, NJ Vols fans, just two more. I know football has a four-game rule to allow a red shirt, but feel like basketball is not as forgiving. Grant, can you explain that rule and why it differs? I cannot explain why it differs. It does not make sense to me why it differs. Uh, as far as I know, the only redshirt exceptions in basketball is if you're injured, um, you can get a medical redshirt if you've played less than 10% uh, of the games on schedule uh, that went that applied to John Fulkerson back in the day when he had that bad elbow and wrist injury. It does not make sense to me. I don't know why that 10% wouldn't exist for everybody on roster. Why couldn't DJ Jefferson play against Tennessee Tech and, you know, whoever, Austin P or, or whatever games you're playing in November where – uh, it's clearly just a tune-up and a buy game for your program, and, and you're just trying to get better. Uh, why those guys can't take for I don't. I don't know why it's play one game and you're burning your red shirt versus football, where you know how many games you play football four, right? And you only have twelve uh, regular season games. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Why the sports would differ that much on a very similar situation for both sets of athletes. And last one. It's a good one. A real thinker, Southerner98 says, who wins a national championship first and why? Tony Vitello or Josh Heupel? Who wants to leave this off? I would say Tony because I think it's harder to match talent with the Alabamas and Georgias and whoever's in college football um, versus what you can do in college baseball. And you've got to get to Omaha and just hope you can continue to go on a run. I don't know. The, the, the roster-wide talent gap, it feels like it's bigger in football, elite programs versus programs that are just in the picture. Uh, maybe that's not the case in baseball. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think both are extremely – I think it's hard to get to Omaha. Um, I think the road there is really challenging because you've got to be consistently good. It's You're not you're not an upset away from, from getting there, really. Um I know Notre Dame upset Tennessee, but they won two of three in Knoxville. I mean, you got to play well to, to get there. When you get there, it, it, it it's you know a bit of a crapshoot. You know who's pitching well, who's who's hot at the right time. Um, I think football, even though they're going to expand the playoffs, it's still hard to get the playoffs. I, there's still limited number of opportunities. Um, you can't. I don't think football is going to see somebody go into the playoffs as a AP as the 12 seed and make a run like you do in the NCAA tournament. Do I think the eighth seed in the College World Series in Omaha could win the national title? Yes. Do I think the last seed in in the college football playoff can win the national title? I I think it's going to be hard to do based on what Grant's saying because the talent talent rises to the top on on the football front when you're going to play three playoff games or whatever that number is to try to win a national title, AP. Yep, no doubt about it. Great answers, guys. All right, one last question for me. Because uh, I'm going to avoid that one at all costs. Um, <laughs> Hubbard, yeah, if Santi returns, it's is terrible. it because he wants more pity pat, pity pat, red light, green light, hopscotch, and in the tail on the donkey with all leaders? Um, it's the three legged race. That'll be the total difference, AP. <laughs> and no one listening to this has any idea what you're talking about. And you're going to leave it just at that at this point. Leapfrog. <laughs> 
Heads up, seven up, AP. Heads up, seven up. <laughs> no showing your work on that one. That's really funny. All right. This is the 17th time I've hit my microphone during this recording. So that'll do it. That's a good stopping point. Appreciate all the questions here in the mailbags. Great thought-provoking stuff. Guys, we'll do it again next Thursday. Get in those mailbag questions. Orange and White Games coming up this weekend. We'll have plenty of coverage over VolQuest.com. And we'll do tons of stuff recapping what we saw and all that good stuff. Tennessee baseball is at Arkansas this weekend. Tennessee basketball. And the Transfer Portal, number one place you can keep up with all of it. That is at VolQuest.com. That's 100%. That's 100%. 100% indeed 100%. with Grant Ramey, Austin Price, Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys and appreciate exterior home solutions for making this all possible here on the ball quest mailbag podcast. You've been listening to the ball quest mailbag podcast every week right here on ball quest.